King's Court starts now. And 
And a good Friday morning, St. Louis and all points northeast, south, and west. And I, I hope you, as we welcome you in this morning to the Window World King's Court, Kevin Slayton with you, I hope wherever you are, it's not as windy as it has been in the Midwest. It has been a windy fall into winter, and it never seems to want to die. I'd like to kill the wind myself. But you can take a 40-degree day and turn it into a 15-degree day real fast. Hope you enjoyed a little Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. We'll have some more at the break in honor of David Crosby, who passed two days ago at age 81. I don't know if you could say he was the leader of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, but he was the founder. And those four musicians were as talented as anyone ever in the history of rock and roll. They understood the value of harmonizing probably better than anyone, certainly as well as anyone. Great songwriters, all of them. Teach Your Children Well that we just played was a Graham Nash writing, and he said it was it's a timeless song. He said it was relevant when I wrote it, and it's relevant today. And he's right. Unfortunately, people in this country aren't teaching their children well. They've ceased teaching their children anything except how to be lazy-ass whiners. And I'm assuming that's because the parents are. But I don't know how much you know about David Crosby, but he was also the founder of The Birds, Mr. Tambourine Man. He is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice as a member of The Birds and as a member of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. There aren't too many people who can make that claim, but he can. What a spectacular group they were. One of the groups of my youth... Every time you heard that special kind of harmony, harmony in a song, that's who, who it was. It was them on the radio back in the day. They were a lot of fun to listen to, and they still are. And that music is timeless. 81 years old. I'm surprised, I guess, in the rock and roll age that David Crosby would have made it to 81. But we're glad he did. Those guys had some head-butting sessions for sure. Most great rock groups broke up at some point. You can imagine the creative juices that clashed. I don't know how any four guys that talented can sit down and agree on the lyrics and the music for a song since all four were so talented, but they sure did enough times to put themselves in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, There is no Hall of Fame for Joe Biden unless it's criminal Hall of Fame. He certainly belongs there. He would get my vote if I were voting on the criminal Hall of Fame. And yet there he is walking around as a free man, just like Hillary Clinton, just like Bill Clinton, just like the murderers of Epstein. They're all walking around free. The Republican House claims they're going to hold their feet to the fire. They're going to pursue them with investigations, and we can only thank God they are. But the truth is, as I've said many times, nothing will really happen until there's a Republican president who appoints his own attorney general. The current attorney general, Merrick Garland, is one of the all-time criminals in the history of law enforcement in this country. He's nothing but a a soldier in the Biden mafia. That's all he is. He's cowardly, spineless, illegal, 
corrupt, unethical, and completely undeserving of any government job that carries authority. Keep in mind, if we if we had given Obama his way, Merrick Garland would be a Supreme Court justice today. Think about that for a minute. The only time in his career that Mitch McConnell did something right was to not allow that vote to take place. Merrick Garland is a weasel, has been a weasel, will always be a weasel, and as I said, one of the worst people in the history of government in this country. He's a fraud along with the other things I said. And he will never pursue Biden. He will never pursue any of his criminal cronies. So we have to wait two years from today. That's when the inauguration will take place. January of 2025, January 20th, when hopefully a new Republican president will be installed. And that day when he appoints a new attorney general, they'll take the work of this Republican House and use it to file criminal charges, which I'm sure will be discovered by this Republican-led House of Jim Jordan, James Comer, and the rest, Matt Gates, all of them. We continue to follow the document story with regard to Biden. Keep in mind this. The only reason Merrick Garland appointed a special counsel for Biden is because he appointed one for Trump, which was unnecessary. All of these things should be considered civil matters, if anything. What Biden did was a felony, however, so that should be looked into, but it won't be. I can promise you they'll get away with this. And for those who still don't quite understand the difference between Biden's taking of documents as a vice president with no authority to do so and Trump's taking of declassified documents that he declassified, Cash Patel, a former U.S. attorney, explains it all. A sitting president is the only sole arbiter of the classification authority system in the United States government. You know who is not? A sitting vice president. And that's directed by the Office of Director of National Intelligence and Federal Statute. So it could not be more clear. So we have just exonerated President Trump from half the farcical crimes that they've come up with and at the same time convicted Joe Biden. Carpe diem cash Patel. That's right. We've exonerated President Trump and convicted Joe Biden. And that's the truth. But that's the reality of how the law should read and does read, excuse me, does read that way. But it's not the reality of what will take place. As I said many times, they've done everything under the sun to try to hurt President Trump, to try to taint him in the minds of the public, the voters, in running for re-election. They've physically tried to stop it. They're still doing that. They're trying to drum up some kind of a criminal charge that they can slap on him, true or not. But just the mere specter of the charge would hamper his presidential aspirations because there are people out there who pay no attention to anything except what they hear in the media. And since the media is 95% liberal, that's what you're going to get. If you're of the ilk that can be brainwashed, and 98% of the country is, in my opinion, then when 95% of what you hear is liberal crap, that's what you're going to go with. And much doubt about that, is there? No, there really isn't. 
Here's a question that I have about this entire Biden document situation. On November 2nd, when Biden's own lawyers discovered these documents, why were they looking for anything? What were they doing rummaging through his office at the University of Pennsylvania? What were they doing rummaging through his garage? What were they looking for? What were they really looking for? And why were they there? Did someone tip them off? Now, that question hasn't even been asked of the little black lesbian, Karine Jean-Pierre, but she wouldn't answer it anyway. She answers nothing. Hasn't been asked of Biden either. Biden got angry yesterday when people asked him about the documents. He said there's a whole bunch of things going on in this country, but I wish you'd ask me questions about that. Well, they do. But very rarely do you even take questions. When you do, you take two or three from previously assigned people. You hypocrite. I can't stand the media, but to chastise them for not asking you questions about important things is just a fraud. Which is what Biden is, a total fraud. But he's also a criminal, and that's what needs to be looking into. Cash Patel, who is looking into this? Oh, we have a U.S. attorney in Chicago looking at this. They are going to exonerate Joe Biden by the standards set forth in the mainstream media in November of 2022. The Washington Post already wrote that the Trump investigators had determined that Trump was not intentionally liable, but rather he had ego and desire to keep the uh, records that he kept. The Washington Post does not write that article in November of 2022 if there's not a concrete plan down the road for something else because it's good for Trump. And now we know why, because they want to exonerate Joe Biden. The plan was always in place. The plan was always in place. They knew they would have to exonerate Biden because they knew about these documents. So that's why Trump was raided. They had to make Trump's situation look worse than it was. Because it wasn't bad at all. But they knew what was coming down the pike with Biden. And they have to exonerate him. Terry Turchie is a former assistant FBI director. Back when the FBI was credible, they have no credibility anymore, and he said so. Is this kind of like the mob involvement with these documents? It's like when the mobsters are all finally caught, and then they start trying to make deals for each other. And uh, that's what's happening here. And I think that one of the things about this document scandal is this. It casts a light on so many other issues that we've been talking about. It casts a light on the question of, is the FBI independent any longer? Well, it apparently is not because Mary Garland has decided that, you know, the FBI can go long, just stay out of the way. The lawyers will handle it. The lawyers will assure American citizens that everything is okay here. There's nothing to see here. It's kind of like, uh, don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain. And uh, I think Americans now are finally fed up as well. They're finally seeing that something is really wrong here. Well, I always hope that Americans see that. I have my doubts. I don't have much faith in the voting public. I think they're stupid, they're uneducated, and willfully so. If they weren't stupid and uneducated, how do you explain voting in the state legislature in New York or anywhere else where they're allowing these criminals out of prison? How does that jive with any kind of rational thinking? It does not. 
So the evidence is in. The American voting public is monumentally stupid, utterly intellectually lazy, and physically lazy. We are a lazy country in every aspect of the word. We sit back, apathetic souls that we are, and do nothing. This business of we the people is a farce because we the people are lazy. We are content with voting in criminals who laugh the entire way as they're robbing from you and controlling you and manipulating you. And you don't think they know how lazy you are, how intellectually lazy you are, how monumentally stupid you are? Of course they know it. That's why they're so brazen in their illegal behavior. They know they're covered. They know that the public in 48 hours will move on to something else. Usually what they're moving on to is another Biden crime. But nobody cares. And it's come to the point of acceptance by the voting public that, well, that's just Washington. No. No, that's not just Washington. It is Washington, but it's not to be taken so cavalierly. To sit there and say it's just Washington is to, it's tantamount to throwing your hands up and waving the white surrender flag. Well, you know, we can't do anything about it. People still don't understand how powerful their vote is. Although in the current atmosphere, the liberals have decided to render your vote meaningless because they will fix the election anyway. There isn't any question about that. We are in the age of rigged elections. What are we, on number four now and counting in a row? It's getting worse and worse and worse instead of better because the liberals are good at it. And the Republicans are either too lazy or too stupid to stop it. But the Kerry Lake situation in Arizona should be the wake-up call of all wake-up calls. That was the most egregious one that I've seen so far. Because they did it in the open, they did it in the light of day, and they didn't care. They didn't care if you saw what they were doing or not. Because they know there's enough corrupt judges, there's enough corrupt media, that they'll cover it up for them. I would think the media is getting tired at this point, physically, of carrying bucket after bucket of liberal water. I would be. My arm gets tired just thinking about it. It's incredible, isn't it? And I wonder, since the discovery was made on November 2nd of the Biden documents in his garage and in his Penn Center office, keep in mind... He's been out of office as a vice president since 2016. So how long have these documents that he stole been floating around? Let's leave, let's leave it to Cash Patel to tell us. Joe Biden took these documents when he was vice president. That's what, like six years ago? Seven years ago? Where were they in those seven years? I know they found him in his office at the Joe Biden Center for whatever, but... <laughs> He was moving classified information for the better part of a decade. And his defense attorneys are coming in and saying, we don't know what's in them. So you didn't look at them. You just assume they were classified because they had the most secret classification markings in the U.S. intelligence community possible. 
That is a total farce. Complete and total farce. Once again, the wolves are guarding the hen house. We've got Biden's lawyers handling the investigation instead of the FBI. Now, because the FBI is so ungodly corrupt, it's probably not much different. Having Biden's lawyers handle it or the FBI handle it, it's Biden's FBI. Christopher Wray is in Biden's pocket so deep, who knows what Biden has on him. Same with Garland. So it really doesn't matter, I suppose. I guess what Garland is saying, you know, the FBI could investigate this, but be no different than Biden's lawyers, so why waste their time? Can you imagine if Donald Trump said, well, you know, Christina Bob is going to handle this uh, for you guys, so no need to bring the FBI in. (laughs) Actually, Christina Bob, because she's an ethical person, would do one hell of a lot better job than the Biden lawyers. By the way, as these people do this, they immunize themselves from being witnesses. Or excuse me, they yeah, they immunize themselves because they're now involved and they, and they could be called. Biden says, no worries, I have no regrets, there is no there there. There's nothing there, I have no regrets, I'm following what the lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. Thank you. Thank you. I thought he wanted to hear questions. At the beginning of that conversation there, he told the reporters, chastised them, there's a lot of important things going on in our country. I'd like to hear some questions about that. And then you saw how he handles potential questions. Goodbye. There's no there there. Terry Tierchi, former assistant director of the FBI, is there a there there? There's a lot of there there, and there are no FBI agents to find out whose fingerprints are on those documents, to have properly collected them and then sent them to the lab in the right order so that certain forensic exams could be done. There is a real problem if you have an intention of of prosecuting someone. None of those attorneys can take part in that prosecution because they're all now witnesses and they're people that have to be maybe cross-examined. This is a mess, and the intention here is to cover up, not to get to the bottom of. It is to cover up the same things they've been covering up now for years. The Biden connection with the Chinese, the flow of millions of dollars of Chinese money into America, and the fact that we have a bevy of legislation and decisions, which for some reason always benefit Chinese interests, but never benefit America's interests. Carpe diem to Terry Turchi. Well, I, I would say this. Whatever it takes, and I know a president has to appoint the uh, FBI director, I would love to see that guy back in charge. He was a former assistant director, which means he wasn't corrupt, so he could never be the director. Because every FBI director since its inception has been corrupt. And, and yet for all those years, the American people said, okay, no big deal. The very people that are supposed to be protecting us are corrupt. Laugh that one off. There is no law enforcement entity anywhere in the world, and that includes the Gestapo of the Nazi era, that's more corrupt and more ruthless than this FBI. These are evil, vile bastards. Every last one of them. And you say, well, how can you make that blanket statement? Here's how. If you're a decent person in the FBI and you're not a whistleblower, then you're one of them. 
because you value your little job a lot more than you value what those colleagues of yours are doing to innocent American people. So I put you in right there with them. The whistleblowers, I tip my cap to. And they're going to be instrumental in bringing down Christopher Ray. Watch and see. Now, when I say bringing him down, I mean making it obvious to the American public what a corrupt buffoon he is and his evil intent in raiding innocent people's homes. That won't result in any criminal charges because Biden will stop that, as will Garland. One thing I hope is made clear by all of these investigations, though, to the American people, and that's doubtful, is just how corrupt these people are and that the American people need to be outraged. I never speak for the American people like these political hacks do. Well, the American people think this. How do you know what the American people think? Here's what I think the American people think. Let's vote for Biden. Let's vote for Democrats. If they didn't think that, the Democrats wouldn't have the Senate. If they didn't think that, well, I can't say Biden wouldn't be in the White House because that was stolen. But some people voted for him. Imagine actually casting a ballot for that guy. Think about what that says about you. (laughs) My God, the last thing I would want to have attached to my name is that I voted for Biden. Good God. It's not worse than I voted for Hillary Clinton, but it's right there. Right there. And if you voted for both of them, as most liberals did, you belong in a rubber room. When uh, Congressman Matt Gates looks at all of this, he thinks this entire document situation with Biden is an inside hit job to take Biden out with regard to re-election. Consider this. It was Joe Biden's Democrat personal lawyer that was rummaging around his stuff looking for what? Evidence of a crime that his septuagenarian client committed nine years ago. And then he alerts the Democrat staff at the White House that does the absolute worst thing you could possibly do. They sat on the information. They should have diffused the Trump matter and then inoculated themselves in the process. Then the moment this is leaked to CBS, you have the Democrat Biden Department of Justice appoint a special counsel. And now the big tell is that even Joe Biden's strongest allies in the Congress, like Senator Coons, are saying that they approve of the appointment of a special counsel to criminally investigate the president. Maybe the deep state and a lot of these Democrats have figured out that they'd rather roll with Gavin Newsom than Joe Biden. The Republicans might not even have to help the Democrats take out their trash. (laughs) Might not even have to help the Democrats take out their trash. Well, it has all the uh, earmarks of a hit job from the inside, doesn't it? As I started the show by saying, my questions are, why were Biden's lawyers rummaging through these things? What was the reason why they initially did it? Did someone tell them to do it? And I love how Biden and the January 6th committee continually sort of relies on the Secret Service to be as corrupt as the FBI is. And then the Secret Service blows up in their face in each instance. They brought that young chick in to testify against Trump who had a an equivalent of an internship at the White House and say how Trump tried to strangle and fight Secret Service agents, trying to grab the steering wheel. Even though from where Trump sits in the uh, SUV, he couldn't even reach the steering wheel. 
And then the FBI agents, or excuse me, the uh, Secret Service agents said, not true. And we'll testify to that if you call us in. Of course, that committee never called them in. Now, Biden and his criminals tell everybody, well, we don't keep visitor logs at the Delaware residence because it's a personal house. Even though there's now an email that surfaced from Katie Chung, who was his chief of staff when he was vice president, to all of the staff to meet at the Delaware Lake House. That's his mansion. They call it a lake house. It's a mansion. Well, why are they all meeting there if it's a personal residence? They're all meeting there because they conduct business there, which makes it a business residence. So we don't keep visitor logs, but then the Secret Service says, once again, thumbing Biden, thumbing it right in Biden's nose, we've got the logs. We have a list of everybody who's visited. If you want it, ask for it. And I promise you, Jim Jordan, James Comer will be asking for it. Interesting, isn't it? Matt Gates might be onto something here. The Secret Service has repeatedly embarrassed the Democrats because they have exposed them as the pro- prolific liars that they are. Biden can actually stand there and say, I have no regrets. I didn't do anything wrong. What do you mean you didn't do anything wrong? Trump didn't say, I didn't do anything wrong. Trump said, I declassified the documents. So there is no violation. Biden can't say that. Because he had no authority to do so. It's pretty embarrassing to anyone else, but it doesn't embarrass Biden. Why would it embarrass him? Hell, that doesn't mean anything to him. But the truth is going to come out. It's going to come out in these investigations. At least we'll know. I think Terry Turchie's right, though. They're not trying to get to the bottom of it. They're trying to cover it up. You're going to hear lame excuses like it was inadvertent, which we've already heard. Somehow one of the staffers made a mistake, even though on the front of those documents, as you saw in the picture of Biden holding it in the Oval Office when he was vice president, it states clearly in big, broad letters, top secret. And the ones that were in Biden's house and office and garage are the highest of top secret. So they're top, 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 top secret. So it didn't happen by accident. We know that. And when you can get the liberal media to turn on you as a liberal, you've really accomplished something. But that's what the little black lesbian, Karine Jean-Pierre, has accomplished. With all of her snarkiness and her arrogance in response to simple questions, she's turned them against her. Quite an achievement. I'm having a hard time understanding why. I just said, questions about we should, procedure. We should, and I just yeah. said, and I just said to you, the White House Counsel's Office will be able to address that question. From this point on, are you not going to be taking questions about the classified documents? I have been very clear over and over again. We are going to be prudent. Again, that's for the Department of why Justice. Why is it? Do you have and, and, and let's be clear: it's not your decision to make on what I can or can't answer from here. What a little bitch. Let's be clear. It's not your decision. I love the let's be clear or to be clear phrase because when that is uttered, as we all know, next comes a lie. It's not your decision what I can and can't say here. Actually, it is. 
When the media asks you a question, you're to answer it. Otherwise, don't be the press secretary. Remember, you're the most transparent regime ever in the history of the United States. That's what Biden promised when he was running. If we make a mistake, I'll admit it. Now Biden says, I haven't done anything wrong. Now, only the casual fool would think that. I suppose you can make argument after argument with all these bogus defenses. Oh, it was inadvertent. Oh, I didn't know it. But to say you did nothing wrong, you did. No matter how it turns out, what you did was wrong. But Biden won't even admit that. He won't even say, you know, it was chaotic when we were leaving the White House. I wasn't paying attention like I should have been. I was wrong not to be paying closer attention. Having said that, I didn't have any reason or any intention of keeping classified documents, and I apologize, and they're being returned. At least you will have said, I did something wrong. But he can't say that. Even after he promised he would, he can't bring himself to do it. He just can't. Why? Because he's a pathological liar. That's why. There's no mystery that surrounds this Biden Gestapo. None whatsoever. And they're very happy to tell you, hey, we do whatever the hell we want to do, and we don't care what you think. And they get away with it. One reporter from a liberal outpost asked Karine Jean-Pierre, basically, are you a liar? Did you not know on Friday that those documents had been found when you were at the podium? Or are you being directed by someone to not be forthcoming on this issue? I have been forthcoming from this podium. What I uh, said yes to was what the statement at the time that we all had. Right. You all had the statement uh, and I was repeating what the what the uh, council was sharing at that time. Right, and had, so we had that statement. So we knew what was in it. But you also exactly. knew. Did you not know that I'm telling you, I just answered the question. I just answered the question. Little snarky wench. Good for the reporter to keep pushing her on it, because the truth is, as the reporter knows, Karine Jean-Pierre did know when she stood up there and lied. And everyone knows that. But she's going to continue to lie and pretend that she answered the question. I've already answered it. When she can't read from her binder, she's in real trouble. And even when she reads from her binder, she stumbles and stammers. Most people by fifth grade can read. She can't. She has trouble reading without stumbling all over the place. That's embarrassing. But here's how bad it is for her. Jessica Tarlov, who's a Fox News contributor, is an uber-duber liberal. She's so liberal, she's so stupid when she utters a single word because it's laughable that she's on the take. No one could believe the things that she says. But even she thinks Karine Jean-Pierre is a failure in this situation. And then, of course, she couldn't help herself. She had to lie about Trump. Is this being handled poorly from a communication standpoint? If You say it's a DOJ problem, then you demand that a DOJ spokesperson show up and tell everybody there will be no comment until X time when we have more information or something can leak out from the special counsel. But this is something that is really upsetting to Democrats, first of all, that he had them when he wasn't supposed to have them, but that we have no idea about the timeline of all of this. And it's not something that I believe still is comparable to what went on with former President Trump because he had to be stalked to get these documents back. And, you know, Jay Brad had to show up 
at Mar-a-Lago to have a conversation with them because they said we returned everything and they hadn't done it. And it seems that the Biden administration is cooperating. But you have to make those details clear so that people who are your supporters can continue to have faith in the fact that you did handle this as responsibly as possible. She's a laughing joke, actually, when it comes to describing the Trump situation. Trump's lawyers were in negotiations with the National Archives when the FBI raided their home. That's hardly having to be stalked. Good grief. These people are nuts, aren't they? And she says that the Biden regime is being cooperative? How are they being cooperative? To my knowledge, they still have some of these documents. To my knowledge, they never called the right people until days after the discovery. And then they called the archives. They should have called the FBI. When you find something in your possession that is criminally in your possession, you don't call some clown who's a file clerk. You call the people who can investigate it. But if you did that, then you might find some fingerprints on the documents. So Merrick Garland made sure that didn't happen. You know, we don't. Uh, I consider the FBI, but we don't need them to go in there and fingerprint all that stuff. Why would you not? As Terry Turchy said, this needed to go to the FBI lab, all of these boxes of documents, every sheet, for to be fingerprinted. But when you hide the evidence and prohibit the FBI from seeing it, who would trust their word anyway, even if they sent it to the lab? Maybe Garland's come to the conclusion that there's no need involving the FBI in anything with the Democrats because the, the, the people of this country understand just how corrupt they are and how bought and paid for they are on the Democrat payroll. But I love people like Tarlov. She can't just admit that Karine Jean-Pierre has handled this horribly. She has to then take a shot at President Trump with a lie, another lie. Which part of they were in negotiations with the National Archives does she not understand? By the way, no one's disputed that. The Democrats simply leave it out of the conversation. Instead, it's much more fun for them to say, President Trump had to be stalked. Stalked? You saw what they had the power to do. They had the power to raid his house at any time. How, how did he have to be stalked? Maybe she wishes they would have stalked her. I don't think so. I don't think that's happening anytime soon. It's pretty incredible, though, isn't it? Had to be stalked. The media, of course, as I said earlier, getting exhausted from carrying all the Democrat water. They're now, they've now got a name for this, for these documents being stolen. They call it document spillage. Document spillage. Here's Katie Bo Ellis of MSNBC telling you what document spillage is and that it's very common. Um, this kind of uh, this kind of classified spillage happens almost literally every day, and most of the time it's completely accidental. An employee accidentally takes home a classified document in a briefcase. In one example that we were told, the employee found a classified document that had been accidentally attached to an unclassified travel itinerary. He slept with it under his pillow for a night, returned it the next day, and that was that. Most of these cases are dealt with administratively, internally, with a simple conversation with the security officer at the agency in question. Now, 
of course, in more severe cases, there can be penalties such as losing your security clearance or even being fired. But part of the reason this is so common is simply the law of large numbers. There are over 4 million security clearance holders floating around out there. That's scary. That's very scary. Of course, she tried to characterize and downplay the crime that Biden's committed by saying, well, everybody does it. That's the Democrats' defense all the time. Everybody does it. But some guy accidentally taking a document attached to something else and sleeping with his under his pillow is a little different than being a vice president. And by the way, the guy turned it in the next day. Biden didn't. Being a vice president, stealing boxes of documents that are top secret, storing them every place under God's creation, and then never telling anybody about it for seven years. It's a little different, Katie Bo Ellis. But nice try, you and your spillage idea. Documents spillage. The liberals always have a phrase. You'll hear them all saying it now, because that, without question, came from Democrat Nazi Party headquarters. We're calling it document spillage. It doesn't sound as horrible as document theft. Spillage, it means it was accidental. Isn't that what spillage is? Oh, my gosh, I spilled my drink. Well, you didn't do it on purpose. Can't be held accountable for it. I spilled my drink. That's essentially what she said. (laughs) I'm hoping she was drinking. Katie Bo Ellis. Why, what's, why is your middle name Bo? Isn't that a guy's name? B-O, Bo. Last time I checked, Katie Bo. It's probably a guy's name. Steve is first up this morning. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Doing great, Kevin. Happy Friday and carpe diem. Happy Friday to you and carpe diem as well. I, I was going to wait till later to call, but that last segment on spillage, I just couldn't hold it in. <laughs> The uh, I, I had occasion uh, many years ago to uh, have access to uh, classified documents. No, I, I wasn't a CIA spy. Uh, I was a civilian, but working at a uh, major defense contractor. And so, you you know, when you're talk, talking about weapon systems, you come across classified documents. Uh, for most of my time in that uh, situation, I saw documents marked confidential, uh, some marked secret. Um, I couldn't see top secret documents because you had to have a higher classification uh, for that. And Apparently 4 to, million people have that. Can you believe that number? Well, yeah, there's a lot of defense contractors and a lot of businesses out there. You know, I, I can believe it. But um, we had to wear a badge, and it had a dot on it. It was a blue dot if you were uh, – you had clearance for confidential uh, and you had a uh, red dot. If it was, you could see secret documents. If uh, only if you had a black dot, could you see top secret documents, which I couldn't at the time. And the, uh, you know, at every entrance and exit to the building, there were security guards to make sure you weren't leaving uh, with any classified documents or anything else. And we had uh, file cabinets like any business uh, you know, big metal file cabinets, but we also had special file cabinets that had this bar across it that uh, you could secure in front of the drawer so they couldn't open, and they would padlock it. And, uh, you know, so if 
if you had access to a secret document that you needed because of the work you were doing, you know, you'd take it out of that cabinet, and then as soon as you're done with it, you'd put it back in. Uh, if you uh, left that classified file cabinet locked, or excuse me, unlocked, the next morning there would be a big red padlock on it uh, that security would put on it, and they would find out who would use the file, and you'd be written up. And if you did enough of that, you'd be fired, if not you know, prosecuted in other ways. But then I had occasion, uh, before I left that company, I was assigned to what was called a black hole project. And that was uh, top secret. And, you know, the uh, most of the people on the project were engineers. But, you know, it's business, so you still need people that are, you know, buying things through procurement or accountants that are handling, you know, payments and so forth. And, and uh, I got assigned to this top secret project. And before, this is this is how they treat normal people. This is the whole point of this story. You know, this is how they treat you and I. Um, I when I was told they wanted me to work on this top secret project, uh, before I could be get access to the area where they were working, I had to go in this conference room. And these scary-looking, uh, big scary-looking dudes came in, and they gave me this document that was about 10 pages long, and they asked me to sign it before they could tell me what I was going to be working on. And I read through this, and it's, it, I mean, it was really restrictive. You know, for the rest of your life, uh, if, if you write an article for a newspaper or, you know, anything, you've got to get the government to approve it. And, and if you ever even mention the name of the project, uh, you know, you're subject to uh, – criminal penalties. And I read that and I was like, uh, before I sign this, I want to know what it is I'm, <laughs> you know, going to be working on. And they said, nope. It was kind of like Nancy Pelosi. You got to read the, you've got to sign the bill before you read the bill. It was right. just like that. And so I, fin- I signed it and I'm like, oh shit, I'm signing my life away here. I don't know what I'm getting into. And then when the, when the first day I went to work on this, I went down in the basement in one of the buildings and it had all been cordoned off, and you had these keypads that you had to press codes to get in, and you had to have a security guard walk you to the, the door where the people were inside working. And when I walked in, a big red flashing light came on in the ceiling to alert everyone that someone new was on the floor. I mean, it was just like, get smart. I'm not, yeah. I'm not kidding you. But the, it was so onerous what would happen. If you, you know, even mentioned the name of the project that to this day, and this is, I mean, this was uh, 35, 40 years ago. To this day, I've never even mentioned the name of the project, even though based on just what I see in the news and uh, this particular type of technology that was being applied, I my guess is that, the, you know, it's been declassified some time ago, but no one has ever came back and said, this has been declassified. So I've just never... I've never even mentioned the name of it. That's how they treat. And if I would, if I would today, they'd probably look at my dossier and see, oh, this guy's a conservative, and I'd probably be in jail with those January 6th people. You probably would be. I mean, we laugh, but it's true. They're probably listening because they eavesdrop on everything that's conservative. And uh, they would probably be hauling you off if I said, can you share it with us now? (laughs) And I would say, hell no, because even even though I'm sure you've heard of this type of technology, uh, it's in the public domain, 
this particular application of that type of technology, uh, I I don't know if it's been declassified or not. But you see, this is this was um, this was serious because it had to do with weapon systems. And if you know I leaked out or anyone else leaked out, what type of weapon system? The the bad guys in Russia or China, or whatever, might be able to develop countermeasures to it. But think about the kind of stuff that you know Joe Biden as vice president had access to. Um, this was top secret, but it was not that next high, highest level of, I forget the acronym they use, but you know what I'm talking about, sure. the, the super, super duper top secret. So you're, you're describing a very secure process for documents, even at a defense contractor. And as you mentioned at the white house, those levels would be much higher and under much more scrutiny. And, uh, we would assume surrounded by much stronger security and yet they're telling us that inadvertently they walked out with them i'm i'm telling you that at a defense contractor's office they had armed security and if someone really tried to sneak out with something and didn't halt they might get shot and uh, we used to uh you know we would have visitors in of people we were doing business with and um, sometimes it was foreign countries who were our allies. For example, Israel is one of our allies. And, you know, we sell weapon systems to Israel. Everybody knows that. But uh, we didn't even trust our allies, the Israelis. In fact, there were, <laughs> there were tougher security measures when they were in because you knew that they'd like to get, you know, access to our top secret weapon systems information because even though we sold those systems to them, uh, for example, if uh, uh, one of our top weapons in this country still are cruise missiles, right, Harpoon and cruise missiles, uh, well, I, I think everyone knows this, that when we sell a, a cruise missile to one of our foreign allies, like somebody in the Middle East, they don't get the top-notch version that we have. We always, you know, keep something a little better for ourselves, and uh, so... You know, someone like the Israelis with the type of intelligence gathering they have, we'd be all over them. <laughs> There'd be right. a, a cadre of security guards just as they're walking through the office to talk about, you know, signing a purchase order or something. But the the White House, yes, you're absolutely correct. Think about trying to get in or out of the White House with classified documents. But, you know, Biden can do it. And uh, remember, who was it? Was it a congressman? uh a few years back, who was caught sneaking uh, secret documents out in his pants? He was stuffing them down his pants. I you do remember that? that. Yeah, you're right. That's so, unbelievable. Uh, but that's great stuff. I, I really appreciate the info. That is interesting how secure it was at a defense contractor, which leads us to believe that this was not inadvertent. This was an intentional scheme uh, by Biden and his cronies to steal, illegally steal documents. Well, I can tell you this, too, in, in closing here. I know you got to get going, Kevin, but if I can guarantee you, if uh, they would have found uh, that I had somehow inadvertently, you know, or, or I had classified documents in my home that were supposed to be in that locked cabinet in our offices, um, there would have been no in, inadvertent defense. I would have been in Sing Sing uh, in a heartbeat. <laughs> I love it. Great stuff, Steve. We appreciate it. All right, carpe diem to the king. Carpe diem back at you. All right, that's good stuff. I like it. So that tells you the truth. Don't give me this baloney that nobody knew what happened. Oh, Biden surprised, surprised. 
We just heard from a guy who worked at a contractor, and he wouldn't have been surprised if he took documents. He'd have been in jail or shot. That's how seriously they take it. Biden does not take it seriously, no matter how many times he protests that he does. He does not. Never has, never will. That's clear. And these visitor logs at the Biden residence, the working office on the lake, apparently do exist in the Secret Service minds and the Secret Service files, so they'll they'll be ready to turn the visitor logs over. Those ought to be fascinating. But the media says, hey, sorry, but that doesn't even exist. Listen to this water-carrying Why exactly are Republicans demanding visitor logs from President Biden's private home? They know full well there are no visitor logs. It has never been standard practice. They don't exist. White House said yesterday no such records exist. Both the Secret Service, the White House Counsel's Office saying, look, we don't have those logs. White House says those records don't exist. So in other words, okay, enough said. They said no, so it doesn't, couldn't possibly happen. Why are these Republicans demanding these visitor logs when they know full well that they don't exist? According to whom? The White House. Oh, I got it. The very people that are being accused. Gotcha. Yeah, my wife was found murdered in the house, and I was standing there, and um, there was a gun that was used that matches a gun that I had bought. And then I say... It doesn't exist. Huh? It most certainly does exist, and so do those logs. And the Secret Service has them. And so they're screwed. These media people, though, they'll never take that back. They've already put it out there. Once again, a slap at the Republicans, who know very well that those logs don't exist, even though they do. And now they'll have them. Then we hear yesterday that the grandiose investigation into the leaker of the Dobbs case in the Supreme Court's overturning of Roe versus Wade, the report comes back yesterday, inside report by the Supreme Court, that they can't figure out who it is. (laughs) You've got this entire government apparatus. They claim only 82 people could have possibly had access to that draft They request your phone records if you work there, but only if you want to volunteer them. It's only a suggestion to turn over your phone records. Some did, some didn't. How is that an investigation? It isn't. And you know who was in charge of it was John Roberts, the Chief Justice fraud. Molly Hemingway has some thoughts if Roberts even cared to find out who it was. This didn't seem like a really serious effort to find out what had happened, and it should have been a serious effort. This leak led to an assassination attempt on a sitting U.S. Supreme Court justice. It has also led to security problems for all of the justices who voted uh, or who who ruled in Dobbs. Um, This is such an important issue to get right, and Justice uh, Chief Justice Roberts did not seem to take it very seriously. It was a very lax investigation. The marshal of the Supreme Court didn't seem to have the skills required. An outside firm was consulted, but not anything near the level of what should have happened if you really wanted to determine conclusively who did this. Wow. Is that amazing? So basically, Hillary Clinton, what difference does it make? 
that four people are dead under my watch, and I didn't help them when I could have. See, that, those are the kinds of things that I'm very surprised, and I mean this when I say this. I'm surprised that a family member of one of those four people in Benghazi didn't just kill her. How dare you talk about my deceased family member that you murdered in that way? What difference does it make? Remember, she screamed it. What a sick, sick, sick woman. Good morning and welcome. You're on the Window World King's Court. How are you? Yeah, hey, Kevin, good morning. Happy Friday. It's Matt here. I haven't called in a while. Happy Friday, Matt. Yes. Um, I had a question. I'm sorry I'm behind on your show. And I was listening to earlier this week. I have some liberal colleagues that I work with who um, I heard you say some negative things about the ACL, ACLU. Sorry if I'm bringing you off topic, but do you what are do you have any specific examples or do you can you enlighten me educate me on the history of the ACLU I haven't had time to look and I didn't know if you knew of any issues what they represent or what they've done that are in fact well, what what or, what particular issues are we talking about here uh well not really anything specific just like human rights issues uh, this one particular colleague, she's always saying, oh, you should join, be a member. I am. Just general human rights issues. She never really talks about anything specific. Um, but I'm sure there's examples out there, and I apologize. I haven't done any homework yet, but I didn't know if you had any specific examples or knew anything. No, examples of what? I mean, I'm not sure what you're asking. Uh, ex- what, what examples uh, are you looking for? Um, I mean, maybe voting. Like voting rights, or that—that's one particular. Well, they area, have nothing to do. They have nothing to do with voting rights. I mean, oh, they I'm, don't. I'm sure that the ACLU will will claim that it's voter oppression, requiring an ID. That's what all liberals do, and liberal uh-huh. organizations do. But I, I wouldn't. I would no more join the ACLU than I would jump off of a building that was 100 I, stories I high. I figured that would be, you know, a response of yours. But um, yeah, I just need to do more homework. But I. Uh, you know, I just didn't know if you knew of any specific examples. And, uh, yeah, I guess voting would be the biggest, you know, uh, concern or question I would have. But um, anyway. Well, just, just keep well, this well, in mind. If you join the ACLU, you're mixing in with some of the most liberal people in the history of mankind who have no uh, – would ever assign responsibility to anything that anyone did that's a liberal. Every single issue – they take an extraordinarily left-wing viewpoint of. So that's who they are. They, they, by, by the way, they don't no, care about you. Minute, you yeah. are, are you white or black? Me personally? Yes. Yeah, I'm a white guy. Okay, so they don't care about you. They couldn't sure. give a damn. If you were abused, your rights were abused. But, man, if you're black, oh, now they care because that's all they care about. They, want, they just want to make some grandstand move regarding race the ACLU is all about that. That's all they're about. Civil liberties, they couldn't care less. All right. Well, thank you, Kevin. I appreciate you, and I really do appreciate your show. It's very enlightening, and thank you for all your hard work, and uh, I sure hope you make it big someday national. Well, you thank you, Matt. It. I appreciate that. All right. Have a good weekend. You have the same. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the ACLU. <laughs> There's nothing they do. That's worthwhile. You talk about a worthless group of liberal freaks. They are. They are that. 
Ain't no doubt about that. So we have an investigation into the Supreme Court leak, and we have no culprit. Again, we're talking about, as Steve just described, the defense contractor, all these security apparatus in place. You don't think the Supreme Court building has that? You don't think the Supreme Court building has a camera everywhere, has cameras inside each of the justices' offices, in each of the hallways, in each of the conference rooms, in the courtroom? Of course they do. But somehow John Roberts really didn't care that much. Eh, no big deal. Which leads me to believe that either Roberts leaked it or one of his clerks leaked it. Now, who would that be? Well, we don't know because we don't know who his clerks are. Did he dispatch a clerk to do it? Who knows? The other question would be, why would he do that? Did he know it would lead to chaos? Did he know it would lead to an assassination attempt on one of his own colleagues? Remember, Roberts was the one who was lobbying the more conservative justices to the bitter end. Pretty amazing, isn't it? He was lobbying Brett Kavanaugh very hard. And it just so happens that Kavanaugh is the one who was targeted. Isn't that amazing? So it it blows you away that Roberts has this kind of authority and it in in, in abusing this authority, he can't figure out who it is that actually <laughs> leaked this opinion, which is illegal. Absolutely illegal. And he can't figure it out. And remember, Roberts is the one who disagreed with the Dobbs case. So maybe that's where this all comes from. Maybe it was indeed Roberts and his office who did this. Does it surprise you if that were the case? Wouldn't surprise me. Not for a second. You're the Chief Justice. You're the guy who is investigating this. And now you have no one? No one. No one. Can, can anybody believe that that's the case? Can anybody believe that the Supreme Court, with all its security, has no idea who leaked this? I don't believe it. And I believe John Roberts knows who leaked it. John Roberts may or may not have put them up to leaking it. Since John Roberts disagreed with the decision... And that's really all you need to know, right? 
So when you can't find out who actually did things in Washington, D.C., you know the fix is in. And then we move on to Alejandro Mayorkas. Who's he blaming today for the immigration disaster? Let's ask him. We're executing a comprehensive strategy to secure our borders and build a safe, orderly, and humane immigration system. Working within a broken system in desperate need of legislative reform. So other people, they inherited a broken system. (laughs) But it's nothing that you did. Nothing at all, right? What say you, J.D. Vance, senator from Ohio? Did Mayorkas inherit a broken system or did he break it? They say that the system was already broken. The system is broken because they broke it. They caused the wide open border and now they're causing the the, the very same policies that caused this problem in the first place, they're accelerating them and increasing them. They don't care about border security. It's it's so clear at this point, two years in, that they don't care about border security. It's up to us to hold their feet to the fire and make sure the American people know exactly what's going on. Well, it's one thing to make sure the American people know exactly what's going on, and I know that you say we need to hold their feet to the fire, but he's right. Mallorca's has a broken system because they broke it, and they do not care about illegal immigration. They don't care. They encourage it. They're all for it. We know that now. Actions, again, speaking much louder than words. Mayorkas can sit there and make an ass out of himself every day, and he does. But this guy has done nothing. When he says we're executing a comprehensive immigration plan, really? Your plan is to open the borders up to anyone who wants to come in. What do you mean a comprehensive immigration plan if that's your idea of a comprehensive investigation or immigration plan you're an idiot a you don't have a plan much less comprehensive although i could argue that you do have a plan and that is to let them all in which you've done so bully for you the davos summit is coming to an end the world economic forum we've played you some of what miraculously we were able to hear from over there. I can't believe the words were uttered that were uttered, but it shouldn't surprise me. John Kerry, who's one of the biggest frauds, flying around globetrotting in a private jet, in fact, admitted that he did, was caught by the rebel news crew, which are all over Davos, walking down the street with him. And here's the exchange. Secretary Kerry, do you think that the high price of natural gas is actually a helpful thing to get uh, people to transition to a green economy? I'd love to talk about it, but I just can't do it on the run. uh, Justify being here when you yourself take private jets. Can you answer that? But you're taking a private jet before... No, but you're taking a private jet for to collect a climate climate change award. You have done that. I fly commercial exclusively. He flies commercial exclusively. Wait a minute. Are you sure about that? If you offset your carbon, it's the only choice for somebody like me who is traveling the world to win this battle. The time it takes me to get somewhere. I can't sail across the ocean. I have to fly to meet with people and get things done. In other words, I'll translate that for you. I'm so important and you're not that I have to fly private jets. And yet he just said he flies commercial exclusively. Huh. 
Again, his own words, not mine. He said a year ago that he has to fly a private jet because he's so important. He's trying to win the battle, whatever battle that is, God only knows. He didn't do so well in Vietnam. In fact, he alienated his uh, regiment members. But he's not doing real well now either because there is no climate battle. We all know that. And he knows it or he wouldn't have been flying his private jet all over the world. But now he lies. He sits there and lies to these these uh, guys on this news crew in Davos. I fly commercially exclusively. What an effing liar. He just flew over there in a private jet. Doesn't he understand that everybody knows that? He joined 1,040 other guys who flew over there in gals on private jets. So many private jets flew into Davos last week. Imagine a 1,000 private jets. But John Kerry now insists he flies commercially exclusively, and we know that's a lie. So, Mr. Ed, take that long face of yours and go hide somewhere. How about him saying, I'd love to talk about it, but not on the run. Then sit down. Stop walking. Let's talk. Effing liar. The other big story that came out yesterday, of course, was Alec Baldwin. So what's going on with him? Well, he's been charged. Now, he's been charged with two counts of involuntary manslaughter. That could result in up to eight years in prison. But what I don't understand is two counts. Only one person died. Another one was wounded, but didn't die. So how is it two counts of manslaughter? I don't know the answer to that. I'll have to do more background checking into that. But he's charged. And yet, in an interview that he did with George Stephanopoulos, he claimed he had done absolutely nothing wrong. You're not worried about being charged. I don't, I've been told by people who are in the know in terms of even inside the state that it's highly unlikely I would be charged with anything criminally. Do you feel guilt? No, no. I feel that there is, I, I feel that, that, that uh, someone is responsible for what happened, and I can't say who that is, but I know it's not me. I mean, I, I, honest to God, if I felt that I was responsible, I might have killed myself if I thought I was responsible. I don't say that lightly. No, you don't, but I do say this, and it's not lightly either. I wish there was somehow I could convince you that you should feel guilt. Because you just said you'd off yourself if you did. So I'm, i got to figure a way out how to convince you that you should feel guilt. Now, having said that, wouldn't a normal human being with any compassion in their heart at all feel guilty? Accident or not? No one's accusing him of wanting to murder this woman. But wouldn't you feel guilty if you held a gun, pulled the trigger, and someone died? Anybody would feel guilty. If you had a car accident and someone died, even if it wasn't your fault, wouldn't you feel some guilt? I would. That would haunt me. But not him. How about the arrogance in him? Someone's responsible for this, but it's not me. (laughs) He didn't expect to be charged, he said. Well, you're charged now. You are charged. My favorite part of his interview was that somehow this gun just miraculously fired itself, and he, Alec Baldwin, did not pull the trigger. He actually said this. And I let go of the hammer of the gun, and the gun goes off. I let go of the hammer of the gun, and the gun goes off. At the moment. 
Decisive. That was the moment the gun went off. Yeah, that was the moment the gun went off. It wasn't in the script for the trigger to be pulled. Well, the trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger. So no. you never pulled the trigger? No, 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 no. I, I would never point a gun at anyone and pull a trigger at them. Never. Never. That was the training that I had. Well, you did. The gun doesn't fire itself. You pulled the trigger. Now, the real responsibility in this case is going to be interesting because I, when I heard this, the news yesterday, I was talking to our research assistant, and I said, I think Baldwin has a good defense. He didn't load the gun. The armorer is what they call the person who does, who oversees the weapons on a movie set. And so how is Baldwin supposed to know? But there could be a negligence count in a civil lawsuit, and that would result in him losing. And in fact, he's already paid a large settlement to the family. So you've got negligence on his part in not checking the gun, as any rational person would do. But here's the other part that could tie him in to a criminal charge. He was also a producer of this movie, and a duty can attach to a producer that wouldn't be attached to simply an actor. The duty of the producer is to make sure that all things on the set are safe. That's part of their job. So duty might attach here, and if so, he could be in some deep doo-doo duty. Brian Carpenter is an armorer. And he can't understand for his life how a live round would ever be on a movie set. There is no reason under any circumstance that a live round should ever be in the atmosphere of a movie set uh, for any reason whatsoever. And there's protocols in place to make sure that it doesn't happen. And well, as far as him saying that he didn't fire the weapon, well, we all know that you know, in order to discharge a weapon, one in good working condition, you know, there are different mechanisms in place, and one of which is the mechanism of the trigger that has to be pressed. And it was pressed. The FBI lab confirmed it. The, the, the trigger was pressed. Baldwin held the gun. Who else could have pulled the trigger? He never should have gone on television, number one, and said anything. Number two, who do you think would believe you that you didn't pull the trigger? But on top of that now, the FBI has confirmed their lab that he did pull the trigger. The trigger was pulled and he had the gun. Mark Eichlarsch is a criminal defense attorney. Do you agree with me that his case looks solid on the criminal side? I don't think they have a strong case at all. This case belongs in civil court, where as the producer, if they feel like he was negligent, he should pay money damages. But it's completely different to say you've got proof beyond it to the exclusion of every reasonable doubt, the highest burden under the law in criminal court, to say this goes from a tragic accident to a criminal offense. He is an actor. His job is to regurgitate the lines that other people write for him. There are other people but that he, are but hired he also to ensure that there's no live rounds on the set. Carpe diem Mark Iglars couldn't agree more with him on the strength of the prosecution's case. It's not very strong. On the other hand, the duty as a producer might apply here. You can't really ever hear an entire interview with someone who's on with Hannity because that egomaniacal fool has to constantly interrupt them because he thinks he's an expert in all things. He prefaced the interview last night by saying, telling us all that he himself holds a carry permit in six different states, and I am a pistol marksman. 
I qualified to be a pistol marksman when I was 12 years old. What does that have to do with anything? It's the same as that pompous ass getting on there, I'm a black belt in karate. No one cares. Here's what you really are. You're a blowhard asshat that gives conservatives a bad name. That's what you are. You're an egomaniacal fool. It's so That's why I don't watch his show. Can't stand it. I zoom right through it, see if there's anything that I have interest in. But anytime he's talking, it's when my button, my hand is on the fast-forward button. The story we talked about yesterday, the hockey player for the Philadelphia Flyers who refused to wear the gay pride jersey in warm-ups on the night they had a gay pride night in the Flyers arena. They also taped their sticks with the gay pride flag colors. And he didn't want any part of that. He said he's a Russian Orthodox Uh, And because of that religion, he was staying true to himself. Now, that didn't stop the liberal media from suggesting that Ivan Proporov should leave the country. Ivan Proporov can get on a plane any day he wants and go back to a place where he feels more comfortable, take less money, and get on with his life that way. If it's that problematic for him, go back where you feel more comfortable. I understand there's a conflict of sorts going on over there. Maybe get involved. How about that? Go back to Russia, get involved in the war with Ukraine. That's what the liberal media suggested to Ivan Proporov. He explained it very simply. I respect everybody, and I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. That's all I'm going to say. My religion. Russian Orthodox. They ask him what his religion is because they don't believe him. So they want to go check out the doctrine of the Russian Orthodox. And the Russian Orthodoxy is they don't believe in gays. But it's unbelievable to me that they would even ask him this. Why is this even a question? And his coach, John Tortorella, supported him 100%. 100%. As he should. This entire thing was a joke. Should have never happened. And it's insane that he is even having to defend his player. What did he do to deserve this kind of scrutiny? He made a choice of his own. This should have nothing to do with anything. And if more athletes did what he did, we might put an end to the woke bullshit out there. Why do you go along even though you don't agree? Why is it an athlete's responsibility to adhere to the gay philosophy. It is not. It's not a gay athlete's responsibility to adhere to the straight society. It's just not. But only in this woke world would you hear a psychotic liberal reporter or media member, not a reporter, nobody who's a reporter would say such stuff, Tell him to leave the country. Leave the country because you won't wear a gay pride jersey. We've got illegal aliens all over this country, and nobody tells them to leave. But we've got a a full-blooded, legally entitled guy here playing hockey, and you want him to leave because he disagrees with you. That, in a nutshell, is the liberal philosophy. They've now taken it to the, the higher step. It used to be, if you don't agree with us, we'll ruin your life and your families will ruin your job. Now it's, if you don't agree with us, leave the country, please. Get out of here.
We don't want like-minded psychopaths here. A friend of mine who's a retired police chief sent me this about firearms, that during firearms training, every single person who attends is told, every time someone hands you a gun, you always open the cylinder on a revolver, check the slide on a semi-automatic several times before continuing to handle the weapon. We're told if we handle a semi-automatic weapon, if we hand it to anyone else, lock the slide open. If we hand someone a revolver, leave open the cylinder when handing it over. It's basic gun training. Apparently, Alec Baldwin says, that's the training I had, never point a loaded gun at someone. But you did. Whether you knew it was loaded or not, what are you pointing it at someone for? It wasn't part of the script. She wasn't an actress. She was a cinematographer. It's amazing. We have statistics that tell us people are flooding to the state of Florida where the land of the free is still an accurate statement. And we also have statistics that tell us people are leaving California as if there was a plague, and there really is. The plague's name is Newsomitis. But good old Gavin Newsom is telling people that California is better than Florida? California has, has been, well, freedom's force multiplier protecting liberty from a rising tide of oppression more than any people in any place. California has bridged the historical expanse between freedom for some and freedom for all. Freedom for some and freedom for all. Freedom's force multiplier, what the hell is that? That was just a bunch of words that some imbecile concocted, and he spoke them because he's an idiot. California is more of a freedom state than anywhere else, he said. Even though his mandatory draconic lockdowns and mandates drove people from the state. Dave Rubin is one of them that was driven from the state. (laughs) Is Newsom being honest? Gavin Newsom cannot say one single word of truth if his life depended on it. Seats, do you know how many people have left California in the last three years? Because I actually checked the numbers. 275,000 in 2020, 360,000 in 2021, 340,000 in 2022. That's 975,000 people in three years. So 975,000 people flee California because they were fleeing his tyranny, his high taxes, his lockdowns, his mandates, let's not forget, he was also the former mayor of San Francisco. Uh, what he did to that city is now has been exported throughout the state. 800,000 people have moved here to the free state of Florida, which is absolutely flourishing. It was also announced, I think, yesterday, California now has a $25 billion deficit. Uh, Florida, of course, has a, a surplus. Florida has a huge surplus. Dave Rubin is right. And California with that gigantic deficit. You know who else has a surplus? Everything's bigger in Texas, right? Yesterday, their bean counters uh, recorded an historic $33 billion surplus in the state of Texas. That surplus is the same amount as the combined annual budgets of Connecticut, Delaware, and Vermont. Surplus. That means that the business of Texas is running at a profit. The business of Florida is running at a profit. 
the business of California is in an extraordinary deficit. What's the difference? Two Republican governors have a surplus. The Democrat governor, way in the hole. Our country, deep in the hole. Why? Liberals run it. You have to be a special kind of stupid not to get the connection. You really do. And I would ask anyone who votes for Biden or any Democrat for that matter, I would ask them this simple question. Would you let them handle your family's finances? And that's what you need to ask yourself when you go into a voting booth. Into a voting booth, you say to yourself, do I want this candidate to handle my finances? If the answer is yes, vote for them. But even the most liberal nitwit cannot say yes to people like Biden or Newsom or any of them. Hockule. Any of them. That's the question. The question isn't, am I better off now than I was four years ago? That's an easy one. But the question all voters need to ask is, would I let this person that I'm about to vote for in the Democrat Party handle my finances for my family? (laughs) If you'd say that you'd let Biden or Newsom or any of them handle your finances, you deserve to be broke. You deserve it. And as far as the black community is concerned, a group of people that I'll never understand, why would you continually, through history, vote for people that dis- that combine to just squelch you, ruin you, sap all of the hope you have for a better life right out of you? And yet blacks continue to do that. One black guy says, uh-uh, not me anymore. Hey, man, we just can't win, man. I'm sorry, black people. We just can't win. First, we get scammed by the Black Lives Matter movement lady. She go buy her damn mansion and throw sex parties. Then, we try to do something smart that we thought and voted for Joe Biden. He raised up gas prices and he go 54 left on us. You know what, man? Just take the will of Jesus. I'm sick of this shit. <laughs> I get it. I feel your pain, dude. Black, white, we're all sick of this shit. But black people keep voting for it. It's amazing to me how the black community continues to vote for that pile of shit. And they do. There's no getting around it. I don't care that more blacks are voting for Republicans than ever before. That's all true. But not enough. The question to the ones who haven't figured it out is, why haven't you figured it out? What have the Democrats done for the black community? Jews, you're on the you're on the hot spot too. What have the Democrats ever done for the Jews? Nothing. In fact, they hate Israel. They hate Israel. This particular dictator who's in office now hates Israel. He was part of the regime that sent all those pallets of money to Israel's arch enemy, Iran. And yet Jews voted for Biden. What kind of stupidity circulates in the Jewish community? How dumb can you be? I thought Jews valued education. They seem to, all the Jewish friends I have, they value education. And when I ask them, what the hell's wrong with you? Well, I guess because my mom and dad always voted for them. Democrats, that is. That's the dumbest answer you could even give. I would rather you say to me, someone hit me in the head with a boulder and I wasn't thinking clearly. But to tell me, well, you know, mom and dad did. I would use my mom's claim to me anytime I said, well, my brother did. She would say, if your brother jumped off a cliff, would you too? 
And that's what I would say to these Jews who vote for Democrats. If your mom and dad jumped on a cliff, would you do it too? Apparently you would. So the Jews and the blacks are equally responsible for the destruction of this country right now. You're the groups that keep voting Democrat as a block. It's mind-boggling, but it's true. And I defy anyone from either group of people, either community, to tell me why they do this. Do they intentionally want to see the country ruined? I can't imagine that's the case. And if your car buying experience ruins your fun, I can help you out with that too. There's no need to go through that headache. You spend all Saturday at a five or six dealerships looking for a car, an SUV, a truck. You waste your whole day, and at the end of the day, you're pissed off. Either haven't gotten the deal you want, or you can't find what you want, and you're getting very little help. So I say do what I did. Make a simple phone call. Or you can text 314-309-3633. 314-309-3633. That's stl-cars.com. They're right there in Ellisville off Manchester. And if you feel like buying a car or SUV or a truck is like going to the dentist, your happy days are here. I've bought three vehicles from stl-cars.com. My son just bought one two nights ago. All you have to do is go through, scroll through all their inventory of cars, SUVs, and trucks, over 1,000 vehicles on their website. Tell them the car you want. If you can't find it on their website, tell them what you want anyway. They'll get it for you. My son's car is coming from Alabama. They go and find it for you. Tell them the price you want to pay. They'll find the car, they'll get the right price, and you pick it up and drive it away. That's how simple it is. That's how simple it was for me. STL-cars.com. 314-309-3633. Ask for Don and tell him that we sent you. We're coming back with more of the show. Your phone calls are going to be welcome at 636 Five three eight zero seven four six, but first some more Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, Southern Cross. Got out of town on the boat from the Southern Islands, sailing the reach for a following sea. Was making for the trades on the outside and the downhill run to Papa Off the wind on this heading line of the Marquesas, you got 80 feet of a water line, nicely making way in a noisy bar in Avalon.
Welcome you back in. Kevin Slayton with you on a Friday morning. Friday. That's right. It's Saturday Eve, the day the Lord created all for us. When we get around to Monday, we'll experience the day the liberals created. But right now it's Friday. It's the happiest day of the week for me. I, I believe that. Some will say Saturday. I can get that. I understand. For me personally, it's Friday. Because Friday, we have two days ahead of us. When Saturday hits... Along some point Saturday, you start thinking, oh, shoot, tomorrow's Sunday and then Monday. Poor little Sunday. No one enjoys Sunday because it's a bad day coming up. But at least we're off. So it is a Friday morning. Our phone lines are open for you, 636-538-0746. Our good friends at Taco Bell have breakfast waiting for you right now if you're hungry. How about the dollar crave menu? Isn't it wonderful to know that there's a dollar crave menu still in this world? Grilled breakfast burrito with bacon bits for a buck. Double stuffed taco, grande burrito, dollar. The $5 Crave menu is also available. Triple double crunch wrap. Comes with two tacos and a soft drink for five bucks. By the way, these Crave menus last morning, lunchtime, breakfast, lunchtime, dinner, late night. Two different AM crunch wraps for breakfast under three bucks. A grande scrambler under three. A breakfast quesadilla under two. They brought the Mexican pizza back. Our research assistant had it and highly recommends it. I support locally owned and operated businesses, so I do with Taco Bell also. Here are their locations that are locally owned and operated. There's one in Chesterfield Valley, in Jackson, Missouri, Union, St. Clair, 
Washington, Cape Girardeau. In Illinois, they're in Columbia, Decatur, Springfield, Carbondale, DuCoin, Troy, Salem, Jerseyville, Waterloo, all locally owned and operated Taco Bell locations. We played uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, as we did at the top of the show, in memory of David Crosby's passing two nights ago at 81 years old. Apparently the day before he died, and, and this is really sort of haunting, I guess, but it's, it's certainly ironic at the very least. He responded to a screenshot of a Google search that asked, can we go to heaven with tattoos? He jokingly said, I heard the place is overrated. It's cloudy. The result of the Google search said, people with tattoos will not go to heaven. People who drink alcohol will not go to heaven. People who eat too much pork will not go to heaven. Short people will not go to heaven. (laughs) I don't know what kind of Google search would answer that way, but he thought he'd make a funny joke about it, and it's true. It would be overrated if any of that were true. But... Losing David Crosby is losing one of the Giants. Someone also had tweeted out to him, uh, what's the best Beatles song for a rainy day the other day when it was raining on Monday? His response, which we should all keep in mind the next next time it rains, is Eleanor Rigby. Eleanor Rigby is the best song, best Beatles song for a rainy day, according to David Crosby. Now, this is all while he's hours away from dying. Statements were issued by Graham Nash, Stephen Stills, and, of course, Crosby's wife. And all very touching, all very emotional. The passing of a legendary rock and roll giant. 81, as I said, 81 years old. Mm Mm-mm-mm. It's too bad. I haven't seen a st- statement yet from Neil Young, but who knows where he is. Our phone lines are open for you, 636 You can jump right in here with anything that's on your mind and certainly comment on the things we've discussed today. Did you see where the law? there's a lawsuit filed against President Trump and two different attackers Attackers in the January 6th uh, dust-up, as Jack Del Rio famously called it. Now, who filed the lawsuit? A longtime girlfriend of the Capitol Police Officer, Brian Sicknick, who died of natural causes that day. His girlfriend? What kind of standing would she have anyway? The lawsuit was filed by three different lawyers, including one of which was an attorney for the whistleblower on the Ukraine call of President Trump that led to an impeachment. Pretty incredible, isn't it? That lawyer tweeted in January of 2017, the day after Trump's inauguration, the coup has started. These people planned all along to try to take President Trump down. Imagine the liberals claiming there was a coup attempt on January 6th, and yet one of their lawyers triumphantly said the coup has begun in January, the day after Trump's inauguration. 
pretty amazing, isn't it? So the lawsuit is is targeting two different people they claim assaulted Sicknick during the uh, storming of the Capitol. A $10 million they're asking for in damages. And then President Trump, who, according to the uh, lawsuit, is liable for a guy who died of natural causes. <laughs> the lawsuit says, through his words and conduct, Defendant Trump endorsed and ratified the violent actions of the mob that attacked the U.S. Capitol, including defendants Cater and Tenios. Before directing the mob to the U.S. Capitol, Defendant Trump instructed him to fight like hell and declare that you're allowed to go by very different rules and you have to show strength. Well, sure he said to fight like hell. Fight like hell for what you believe is your right and your vote. It didn't mean fight physically, and everyone knows that, except for a lawyer who is really the kind that gives lawyers a bad name. He's sickening, this guy. And that's sad all by itself. But any lawyer who would file such a lawsuit is a low-rent piece of crap. We know that. He knows it. And yet he still did it. Again, keep in mind, this man died from natural causes. I think it's actually hilarious when the text of the lawsuit Through his words and conduct, Defendant Trump endorsed and ratified the violent actions of the mob. Well, here were President Trump's words on that day. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Today we will see whether Republicans stand strong for integrity of our elections, but whether or not they stand strong for our country. Wow, that sounds like he's endorsing violent actions through his words of the mob. It's so it's, it's such a farce that any court would even allow that lawsuit to last one day after it was filed. Throw it out where it belongs on the trash heap of history because it's nonsense and it's an affront to any person who has a sense of fairness in this country. And any lawyer who files it should have their license revoked by the Bar Administration. It's absurd. And who's his girlfriend? Where does she get standing to file such a a lawsuit anyway? I'd love to know that. Now, that's bad enough. But if you want to know how far we've really sunk in this country, all you have to do is understand that at the Mall of America, and I thought they'd torn that down. I've been to the Mall of America. It's in Minneapolis, a stronghold of liberal psychopaths. But in in the Mall of America, a man was wearing a T-shirt the other day. And it said on the front, Jesus saves. On the back, it said, Jesus is the only way. This man was asked to leave the mall or to take the T-shirt off. Now, why is that, you think? Security guards told him that other shoppers in the mall said they were offended by the shirt. We've come to the point now where a shirt that says Jesus saves, Jesus is the only way, is offensive to someone. If someone wore a T-shirt that said Muhammad is the way and Muhammad is the uh, um, 
is, is the only way and Muhammad saves, I wouldn't be offended. I'd laugh, but I wouldn't be offended. People are always offended. I'm never offended. But when did we come to this point? Oh, people are offended. What if the guy had a T-shirt on that said, I love the Houston Astros? And someone said, wait a minute. There was a report that the Astros may have stolen signs. I'm offended by that. Are you going to make the guy take it off? The security guard says, the mall policy forbids picketing, demonstrating, soliciting, protesting, or petitioning. They said that the T-shirt counted as soliciting, even though he wasn't actively preaching. It's religious soliciting. You can see in the video when they're telling this man that. There's no soliciting allowed on mall property. Ooh. Well, aren't the stores soliciting your business? Seems to me they are. That would be an interesting one to represent this guy on. Every one of those stores is soliciting your business. This guy's not soliciting anything. Anything. He's just making his own views public. I thought you could do that in this country. Here's what the cop told him, the security guard. Wow, the mall cop. Paul Blart, the mall cop. Told him, I'm giving you a couple of options. You can take your shirt off and you can go to Macy's and you can do your shopping or you can leave the mall. Those are your only two options right now. And according to the mall spokesperson, after a brief interaction, the guest was not required to change his shirt and was allowed to remain at the mall. So what's going on here? Never mind, there's no way that should ever happen in this country. That is freedom of speech if ever there was. Freedom of religion if ever there was. One pastor said the man should take legal action. He should sue them into oblivion, Pastor Chase Thompson tweeted. This wouldn't have happened anywhere in the U.S. until very recently, and it certainly wouldn't have happened if he'd had a pride shirt on and even 50 people complained. That's 100% correct. I use the Houston Astros, but can you imagine? I have a gay pride shirt on, promoting gay pride. You think they would even ask the man to take it off? Now, this could be one security cop who thinks he's, you know, the Lone Ranger. But I doubt it. I don't think one security cop would act on his own. But clearly that security cop, and my goodness, congratulations for making it all the way to the level of security cop. Clearly he is the Antichrist. He believes that if you say Jesus saves, that you're somehow a villain. And I think the pastor is correct. I hope someone does sue, although damages would be hard to come by. He didn't make you take the shirt off in the end, even though he claimed those were your only options. So this this Paul Blart mall cop is not only full of crap, he is a coward. You gave a guy two options, and the guy basically didn't do either one of them, and uh, he stayed there. But the pastor's right. And the other people are right. This wouldn't happen in this country until the last couple of years. 
And you can guarantee that if that were gay pride, or what if that were Black Lives Matter? What if it was a Black Lives Matter t-shirt? You think he would have been asked to remove it? We all know. We all know that. It's pretty sickening. We've got armed protesters, armed Black Lives Matter protesters in Virginia. Their rally is demanding reparations. (laughs) No one would dare tell them to stop anything. Certainly not in New York where they love criminals. That's one of the top crime-ridden cities in our entire country, thanks to the policies of the Democrats that run the city and the state. Now there's a new law in New York passed by that brilliant legislature there that forces prosecutors to release suspects, putting them back on the street without consequence. Of course, the result is to make the city even less safe. 69% of the criminal cases have been dropped due to justice reforms. Wow. Isn't that amazing? For misdemeanor cases, the rate increased from 49 to 82% of being dropped. That's the same city, by the way, that saw crime rates shoot through the sky at record levels. New York City shootings rose by 102%. Murders rose by over 51% from 2019 to 2021. (laughs) And they claim, these legislatures do, this legislature, that clerical burden was placed on the prosecutors who have to assemble and redact limitless documents and videos for defense lawyers as part of the process in discovery. (laughs) So since you're burdened by having to actually have evidence, in the meantime, we're just going to let them all run free. Ali, Ali, oxen free. Everybody gets to go. Get out of here. Get lost. You don't have to bother with these stupid rules and these laws. Go out and cause trouble. You know, I look at that Paul Blart, the mall, the mall cop up there in Minneapolis. We know that the state of Minnesota has been turned into a Muslim outpost thanks to Obama's relocation of Yemeni refugees. That's how Ilhan Omar got elected. So maybe the, the, the mall cop was a Muslim. He decided to invoke his own beliefs on a simple American saying that Jesus saves. The liberal governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, says that data does not support the idea that bail reform is the root problem of the violence. (laughs) She's as dumb as can be. I mean, she really is dumb. One person on Twitter opined by saying New York City needs another Giuliani to clean house. That's exactly what they need. Remember the state New York was in when Rudy Giuliani took over? First as a U.S. attorney, then as mayor. You didn't have this problem. New York was a wonderful place to visit. Probably for those living there, a wonderful place to live. Not anymore. Not anymore. Unbelievable.
Phone lines open for you, 636-538-0746. On this Friday uh, morning, we're thrilled that it's a Friday morning. I'm sure you are too. We've got playoff football games this weekend. Who do you like? It's the second greatest NFL weekend of the year, last week, last weekend being the first. Wildcard weekend is always the most fun, but this time the top seeds are in action. And one of those, of course, is right here in the state of Missouri, the Kansas City Chiefs, hosting Jacksonville Saturday afternoon at 3.30. I saw a funny meme that said, either Jacksonville or Kansas City has played in all of the past six AFC championship games. Of course, the joke there is that Kansas City has played in all of them. Jacksonville hasn't. So Jacksonville, the team that came from 27 to nothing behind last weekend, faces the Chiefs. That'll be a fun one. Good morning. You're on the Window World Kings Court. How are you? Kevin, this is Blair Oaks Doug. Blair Oaks Doug. I like it. Now, Blair Oaks is not part of your name. <laughs> hey, real quick, real quick. Um, seems like everything comes back to movies for me, but whenever I saw Al Gore um, talking about the oceans boiling. Didn't it remind you of that scene in uh, Ghostbusters when they say, fire and brimstone coming down from the skies, rivers <laughs> and seas boiling, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Didn't it remind you of that? Oh, I mean, yeah. it was just dead on. Oh, yeah. And then uh, the, the, and then the mayor gets rid of that guy. The rivers um, and the oceans but, are boiling. He claimed, his part yeah. of his claim, part of Gore's claim was that these these, uh, I, I don't know what he calls them, these hot masses have been contained in the bubble, the the climate change bubble. It's so hot that it's the the equivalent of 600,000 uh, atomic bomb explosions like on Hiroshima, 600,000 of them per day. <laughs> Do you feel oh when you leave God. your house? That you've been attacked by 600,000 atomic bombs that struck Hiroshima? I don't think so, Al. And by the way, that is a slap in the face of the Japanese people. <laughs> oh, my God. It's just unbelievable. I mean, he's a freak. He's a nutcase. That guy belongs in the nuthouse. So so I'll reference one more movie. And I'll let you go. I know it's running late, but um, I don't know if you ever saw the True Grit movies when that Maddie tells that crooked ned or crazy ned he says you're gonna need, she goes you're gonna need a good lawyer and he says i'm gonna need a good judge and you know that is so true today and it just matters who your judge is it really does it's unbelievable there isn't much question that that's the case either yeah i mean we've seen and by that, the way you're we've seen it time and time again with these election fraud cases where the judge is throwing them out before they hear one iota of evidence Yes, and this this Carrie Lake thing you were dead on yesterday. You know that judge made that up when she in the original hearing. He said, "Well, you didn't prove there was um, what did he say? You didn't prove there was malicious intent or that." I was like, "What difference does that make? It happened. Yeah, it doesn't matter if if you didn't prove fraud. No. I mean, he made that up, and then he he also told her, "Well, you didn't bring anyone in who said they couldn't vote because of that." Well. Did you ask? I bet you could have walked a thousand people in there who would have said, "Hey, I wasn't able to vote." The, at minimum, the the appeal that she filed, if you read the appeal, uh, the brief is is incredibly strong. There isn't any chance, as you heard Christina Bob say yesterday, 
the yeah. defense is essentially, nuh uh. <laughs> 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 She's great. I love her. Trump picks some good oh, lawyers, that's for sure. He picks yeah, horrible, yeah. horrible people to support him in government, but great lawyers. Oh, and, and Carrie Lake, I mean, oh my God. I just, every time I see her, I'm like, that's a, that's a perfect woman, you know? Unbelievable. So, well, there's no such thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kevin, you have a good weekend. All right, Doug, thank you. Yeah, there's no such thing as a perfect woman. You, you can even talk to Virgin Mary, and she's not perfect, but we do have a perfect man. His name was Jesus, and they crucified him. So if you start thinking you're perfect, forget about it. Forget about it. All right, we're out of time for the week. But I mentioned the Chiefs are playing tomorrow. So are the Philadelphia Eagles against the New York Giants. What a great rivalry game that is. That's the Saturday night game. And then Cincinnati and Buffalo and Dallas and San Francisco play on the weekend. So once or on Sunday, I should say. So once again, Dallas and San Francisco pitting themselves in an important playoff game. Remember when Jimmy Johnson was the Cowboys coach and the 49ers had Steve Young and Jerry Rice, all those tremendous encounters in the playoffs? Woo. We're going to see some games this weekend if you like football. I'm not an NFL fan uh, during the regular season at all. I'm the same way with baseball, but I like watching playoffs in both. And we'll be back fighting the good fight for you again Monday, Monday morning, the day the liberals created. But until then, love you, Mom. Love you, Dad. Love you, Maureen. So long, everyone. Ah!